Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. you know that God has a powerful prophetic word for you today? I don't know if you have been going through a time of darkness, a time of testing, a time of trial, a time of tribulation, and you are asking God, Lord God, how long? Well, today I have a word for you because we are in the most supernatural season of the year. We are in the miraculous month of Nisan on the biblical calendar. Nisan means miracles. But did you know this was the month of the resurrection and the crucifixion of our Lord? And it is the month that God predestined his people to come out of Egypt. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I want you to stay with us because today we have a word for you that I believe God is going to break yokes, churn your situation around 360 degrees. Today, I'm going to speak to you about God's miracle at midnight. So let's get started with the word of God. Let's begin today our teaching and that we are going to see uh, from the book of Exodus, the miraculous promises that God gives us in his word that we don't need to stay stuck in this place of darkness, that God is breaking us out of our bondage, that God has promised every one of us a miracle at midnight. You may say, Dr. Corral, what is my miracle at midnight? And how do I have God's guarantee? that he truly is going to break me out of my bondage, that he truly is going to open the doors of destiny, that the God that I serve has a miracle for me at midnight. This is because God has given his guarantee, and I want you to know that your midnight at miracle promise has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to read you your redemption rights right here in the word of God. Let's look at the word of God. The Bible says, the Lord said to Moses, yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. And afterward, he will let you go hence and he shall let you go. And he shall utterly thrust you out from thence altogether. And the Bible says, in the verse 4 of Exodus 11. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits upon the throne, to the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. Beloved saints, you may say, how can a miracle that God did thousands of years ago affect me right now in the year of 2022? I've got a word for you. It is because what happened then, God will do again 
a miracle at midnight. Notice that God said, about midnight, I will go through the land of Egypt and smite all the firstborn. Today, I'm isolating the miracle at midnight. And I want you to know, because Jesus Christ shed his blood on Calvary's cross, and the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that he is the firstborn of every creature. And the Bible tells us in Colossians 1, verse 18, he is the firstborn from the dead. So when we understand the role of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is true God and true man, who was not created, and he is not firstborn in the sense that he was created. He is firstborn in the sense of deliverance. He was the firstborn. God sees him when he died on the cross for you and for me. He is the firstborn sacrifice that paid the price for your miracle at midnight. You may say, Dr. Corral, what is a miracle at midnight? Did you know that when Paul and Silas were thrown into the prison, Acts chapter 16 says in verse 25, about midnight there was an earthquake and the earth began to shake and the chains began to break off and the doors began to open. God has a miracle at midnight for you. The doors of destiny that have been shut, that have been locked, that have been held back are about to open because the firstborn, Jesus Christ, died on the cross. And did you know that the Bible tells us that at noon, the earth turned dark? The Bible says about the sixth hour in Mark's gospel, in the 15th chapter and the 33rd verse, about midnight, there was a darkness over the earth. I want you to know that it was midnight in the middle of the day. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you have a miracle at midnight. Did you know that Ruth, the Bible tells us in the book of Ruth, that about midnight, Boaz turned. And did you know that the destiny of Ruth came to pass? for her midnight miracle. Did you know, beloved saints, that Samson broke off the city doors and carried the gates and the bars on his shoulders at midnight? The midnight miracle is yours today, and I invite you to claim it right now. Midnight represents your darkest hour. Midnight represents that which is impossible. Midnight represents the length of your waiting, the time you've been believing God for him to shift your season. And I believe it's yours today. What does it mean, your miracle at midnight? Let me explain it to you, beloved saints. First of all, your miracle at midnight takes place because you have got a blood-bought guarantee from the Son of God, who is the firstborn. The question arises, why is Jesus called the firstborn? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible tells us Paul calls him the firstborn of every creature. The Bible says in verse 18, Paul again calls him the firstborn the firstborn from the dead. 
But notice, Paul absolutely, positively does not in any way shape or form even the slightest iota. Give the impression, nor does the scripture in any way suggest that Jesus had a beginning as God. You and I must understand, he says, for by him were all things created, things that are visible and invisible. Above, he created principalities and powers, the Bible says, and all things that are visible and invisible were created by him and for him. The Bible says he is before all things and by him all things consist. So number one, Paul calls him the creator. Number two, he is before all things, means he is pre-existent. This attribute of pre-existence is also the attribute of self-existence, meaning only God is self-existent. And we must understand these are the divine attributes that Paul gives unto Jesus. We must understand that he is creator. So if he is creator, he is the source of all creation. So therefore, we cannot see him in the sense of the firstborn as having a beginning. We must understand what the Bible is teaching us here. The Bible here is teaching us that he is complete divinity. But we must understand that one of the works on the cross, and we must know our redemption rights as believers, that Jesus Christ became the firstborn, that his title on Calvary's cross and the work of Calvary and the work of redemption includes that Jesus Christ became our firstborn. So the question is why? Why don't we just only refer to him as the Lamb of God? Why do we also refer to him as the firstborn? And we must understand that it is because, because of the firstborn that the children of Israel left Egypt. It was God's original intention that the 10th plague would be the plague that released the Bani Israel, the children of Israel out of Egypt. We must understand it was that 10th plague that broke their bondage. It was the 10th plague that left, led them out after 400 years of slavery. Now you may say, Dr. Corral, that's wonderful and that's powerful, but what does that have to do with my life? That has everything to do with your life because Paul has already said that Jesus Christ is the firstborn. So when we, we've also seen this in the book of Revelation, the firstborn from the dead so that you and I must understand this title as firstborn means that he is the one who released us from our Mitzrayim. He released us from our place, our narrow place. He released us out of our bondage. He released us out of our psychological Mitzrayim. He released us out of that mind control, out of that psychological bondage. He released us out of the years of tears and that physical Mitzrayim, that heavy burden of labor that produces no profit forced labor under control, that the Pharaoh over our life tried to make us labor under sin and under death. And you and I know that our lives had no purpose 
no eternal purpose, no eternal purpose before Christ. But now because of Christ, we have been given a calling. We have been led out of Egypt. We have now been brought to the promised land. This is why Paul says unto the assembly, the Bible says, let me read it to you from Hebrews so that you and I understand what Paul is saying to us concerning that we also are the church of the firstborn. The Bible says, for you are come to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, unto the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Watch this. To the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. So we have an identity of being the church that has been redeemed by the firstborn, who is Jesus Christ, whose death has released us out of Egypt, whose death has healed our bodies, whose death has caused the death plague, the death angel to pass over our lives and over our homes, whose death released us out of the grip and the control of every Pharaoh in our lives because he is the firstborn. But I want you also to see in a personal, powerful, prophetic sense of scripture, knowing your redemption rights. That the firstborn, notice, the death of the firstborn took place at midnight. So you say, Dr. Corral, if Jesus Christ is really the firstborn, then please tell me, I do not see Jesus hanging on the cross at midnight. Very good question that begs to be answered. And the answer to that is, we see that Mark so carefully calculates for us the six hours that Jesus hung on the cross. Beginning in Mark chapter 15, verse 25, he says he was crucified at the third hour. The third hour in Roman time, translated into our time today, is nine o'clock in the morning, the same time as the morning offering that was taking place in the temple the morning offering at the third hour was the slaying of the first lamb, which was the communal sacrifice for all of Israel as a type and a shadow of the lamb slain. Um, the lamb slain. Behold, John the Baptist said, the lamb of God. And the Bible says in verse 29 of John chapter 1, who takes away the sin of the world. So we see the first lamb slain at the very time Jesus was crucified. At the time they nailed him to the cross at the very same time. At the temple, just meters away from Mount Calvary, were, was the first lamb of the Tamid, the perpetual offering that was to be offered before God on behalf of Israel and behalf of the people so that God could meet with them at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. At that very time is when Jesus was crucified. And the second lamb that is commanded in Exodus chapter 29, verses 38 and 39, which is called the Tamid offering. The second lamb was offered, the Bible says, in the even. But you know, beloved saints, so often we see English translations uh, a little bit misunderstood because the counterpart in Hebrew 
is really difficult for us to translate the concept. So we see that in the original Hebrew, it does not read in the even. It reads in the beyin. The beyin is a time that is between the evenings. And between the evenings in the first century and in biblical times was the time between the sixth hour and the ninth hour, or between the time between the sixth hour and the last hour, which would be the twelfth hour. So the actual beyin, or between the evenings, was the ninth hour. And the ninth hour in Roman time, translated into our time, was three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, beloved. Jesus gave up the ghost and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. This was the exact time the second lamb in the Tamid offering was to be laid on the altar and slain. Now I want you to understand something, that after the Tamid, between the evenings, in the time being, which in the Roman times in the first century, when the second lamb was slain in the temple, which would have been at the ninth hour, which translated in Roman time into our time as 3 p.m. After that, no other offerings for the day were ever allowed to be offered on the altar. That means that after the 3 p.m. offering of the Tamid, which was the later evening sacrifice it was called, and I want you to understand the evening started much earlier in biblical times because the day begins at sunset. And so lest we get confused, let's just go with the original language here, Bayin, between the evenings. I want you to understand, beloved saints, that it was absolutely forbidden after the last lamb was slain, the first one at the time he was crucified at the third hour, the second lamb that was offered for a perpetual offering, that was an offering that brought the presence of God down at the door of the tabernacle, was offered at the ninth hour, the time Jesus gave up the ghost. Uh, every day, these two lambs, and every day the same process would continue. This is why it was called a tamid, a continual offering. But I want you to understand there's a concept here that we cannot miss. The concept is that after the second lamb, no other offerings were allowed. And this prophetically prefigures the fact that the lamb's offering, the son of God, being the lamb of God, fulfills all sacrifices. So after his offering, there is no other offering. His blood takes away all the sin. His blood fulfills every sacrifice. And so we must understand also in a historical sense of scripture, in the first century, in the time of the temple, the first lamb was called the first and the second lamb was called the last. So when we see Jesus referring to his divine name, and I do use this word divinity because in the book of Isaiah, he says, I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord and his redeemer. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Beside me, there is no other. And this means 
This is not only in the sense of Isaiah, but it also means, beloved saints, that the first and the last refers to these two lambs, this continual offering that was offered to God on behalf of Israel so the presence could come down. So the question arises, why at midnight? Why was the firstborn slain at midnight? This is so important, beloved saints, and we need to understand that it actually brings to us a personal, powerful, prophetic promise that God has for you. It is a prophetic word you can stand on. It is a prophetic word that God wants you to know that he is going to be faithful to fulfill in your life because we have a blood-bought guarantee behind it. We have a guarantee that Jesus Christ is the firstborn. And so therefore, because he is the firstborn, you can claim in your redemption rights, your miracle at midnight. You say, Dr. Corral, what is a miracle at midnight? First of all, I want you to understand this concept of God saying to Moses about midnight, I will go through the land of Egypt. I want you to understand that God is validating your midnight. Your midnight is precious to God. I want you to know the darkest hour of your life, God is going to use for destiny. The Bible tells us one of the most powerful prophetic parallels of the miracle at midnight is shown to us, beloved saints, in the book of Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter uh, 16. We are going to see in Acts chapter 16, after many days at sea, Paul received a vision from the Holy Spirit at night saying, come over here and help us. It was a man of Macedonia. Immediately, Paul followed the vision. That's something we should all do. When the Holy Spirit shows us something, we absolutely cannot procrastinate. We have to obey the minute he says to obey and not follow the flesh, follow the spirit. Always trust the Holy Spirit more than you trust yourself. And here we see that he obeyed God. He went, beloved saints, to Philippi. And the Bible tells us Philippi, of course, we know is the capital of Macedonia. He obeyed God. He went to the Macedonian, uh, to Macedonia, began to win souls immediately. As soon as the girl possessed with the spirit of divination received a deliverance, all retaliation from the pit of hell broke out. So often we wonder, why did God allow me to go through this? Why did I go through this demonic attack when I was doing God's will? Precious child of God, we have to come up in the things of God and understand that when we're in God's will, it does not always mean that it's going to be easy. If that's the case, then Corey Tin Boom needs to come back and reteach us. That means you need to go on the internet and you need to look at Corey Tin Boom's testimony. It wasn't easy for her and for her papa, Casper Boom, Tin Boom, and for her brother, um, William. And it wasn't easy for Betsy, Tin Boom. And it wasn't easy for Kit. And it wasn't easy for any of those in the Tin Boom family who had hid hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust to go to concentration camps. But they were in the will of God. Do you think it was easy for Hudson Taylor when he went to China, being sick in body, always being rejected by the missionaries that already lived there? They were calling him crazy because he, he decided to grow a ponytail and to look exactly like the Chinese. 
actually, through many years of hardship in China, I want you to understand he lost his precious wife, Maria, a beautiful missionary, beautiful wife given to him from God, someone he had prayed for, who pioneered the work in China with him. She died while on the mission field, and several of his children died on the mission field. Yet Hudson Taylor was used of God before the Boxer Revolution, and if it had not been for Hudson Taylor, today millions of Chinese that know the name of Jesus, and today now, what was formerly the inland mission, the, the Chinese inland mission, is now a work all over the Far East. And you might say, was he in God's will? Of course he was in God's will. But there was trials and tribulations. Sometimes there's retaliation from the pit of hell. And we have to be strong enough to know that the Holy Ghost has been given to us not to be a coward, but to roll up our sleeves and say, I'm getting up again. I'm going back into the fight. I'm going to finish what God gave me to do. Even if I have to do this thing alone, and if nobody believes in my dream, God believes in my dream, and I believe in my dream, and I'm going forward, and no one's going to take my destiny from me because of a little bit of hardship. And so we see that Paul encountered tremendous hardship when he got to Macedonia. He was put into the jail, thrust into the inner prison, and they were chained up with their feet and with their hands. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, they began to sing praises. And about midnight, oh my goodness, about midnight, somebody needs to know the about midnight miracle is about to take place in your life. The Bible says about midnight, the chains began to break off because the foundation of the prison began to be shaken because a great earthquake came. And the Bible says immediately the prison doors were open. I want you to know the doors of destiny are about to open in your life about midnight. God is about to break chains off your destiny. God is about to break chains off your calling. God wants you to go forward and know that he has about midnight miracle for you. We also see this in the book of Ruth. We see that Ruth had suffered so much pain. She had lost her husband. She had no children. She actually carried Naomi in spirit. She became God's love extended to Naomi. Naomi, who literally, in a legal sense, now because there were no grandchildren born and because the husband was dead, they actually are no longer relatives. But I want you to, to understand, uh, Ruth claved to Naomi. She was not about to leave her. She loved her so much that she was willing to leave the land of her nativity, leave her relatives, leave her friends in order to take care of Naomi. And the Bible tells us they came at the beginning of the barley harvest. That is so spiritually significant because that is the same day that the children of Israel left Egypt. You see what God did then, God will do again. You see these timings of God are not coincidental. They are providential. And we see it revealed in the mouth of two or three witnesses in the scriptures. And here we see 
that Naomi told her to do something very provocative, something that Ruth would never do. But Ruth did it in a very modest fashion. She went and she laid at the feet of Boaz all night. And the Bible tells us about midnight, Boaz became very startled and he turned and he said, who is there? And she said, spread your skirt across your handmaiden, meaning in the Hebrew euphemistic phrases. It means marry me. And you see, the marry me was not something like we see today. It meant redeem me. And I want you to understand he did. This was a miracle about midnight given to Ruth and also given to Boaz. Because Boaz said, all of Israel knows, all of the people in this city know that you are a virtuous woman. You, you know why he said this. Because the Bible teaches in Deuteronomy chapter 23, looking at verse 2, no Moabite or Ammonite can enter the congregation of Israel even to the 10th generation. Yet we see Boaz marrying Ruth and Ruth becoming the mother of, of royalty. She is the mother of the Davidic dynasty, a miracle at midnight. The God that opened the doors of destiny for Paul at midnight. The God who opened the doors of destiny for Ruth at midnight. The God who opened the doors of destiny for, for the children of Israel at midnight is the same God who's going to open the doors of destiny for your midnight. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we want to give you praise. We want to give you glory for the miracle at midnight anointing. We release the miracle at midnight anointing over every person who's in a dark place, Every person is going through trials and tribulation and they don't know what tomorrow is facing. God, we want to thank you, Lord, that it was during the night hours that you parted the Red Sea. We want to give you praise, Lord, that it was about midnight when Miriam took her timbrel and came out of the Red Sea and began to praise you. We want to give you praise, Lord God. We give you glory and we give you praise that there is no one like you, Lord, that you are mighty, that you are holy. And I ask you right now to break the bondages off every person that is listening to this uh, to this program today. Lord, we release the anointing in the mighty name of Jesus that you reverse the curse. And Lord, in Jesus' name, let them go into a new dimension of destiny as never before. God is saying someone who has been under the bondage of a Pharaoh-like control, that is breaking off of you right now. The Lord is also saying someone's business today is going to receive a breakthrough through hearing this word and claiming it by faith that your miracle at midnight is coming through. There are others on this phone line today that God is saying, just as I release the children of Israel into their destiny at a time, a time completely unexpected, God is saying the unleavened bread, when you look at a piece of matzah, you need to know that matzah is actually prophesying to you. It's prophesying to you that your suddenly is ready to happen. They were thrust out suddenly. Suddenly they had to leave. God wants you to know they didn't even have time for their bread to rise. God wants you to know that your supernatural suddenly is about to be released 
into your life. Amen and amen. And people of God, today, God is so good. I want to invite you to join with us in our mission to Poland. You know, we just returned from Poland from helping the Ukrainian refugees. What a blessing it was to go to Poland to bring clothes, to bring food, to bring so many gifts. Beloved saints, what a privilege to hold the Ukrainian refugees in our hands, in our arms, to be able to share their burden, to know one by one that each one is so special and each one has a story. Each one is validated. It was our joy to make them feel wanted, to make them feel welcome, to make them feel loved. And the Polish people have gone beyond the call of duty. And many countries in Europe, Romania, and so many other countries that we need to pray for that have opened their borders in love to the Ukrainian refugees. You can help us continue in our Ukrainian refugee project along with all the other Hesed projects. Beloved people, this is the hour. The church is shifting. In case we didn't know it, we're doing church differently now. Now it is time for the church to arise and for the church to supernaturally shift into the responsibility at the moment of what is being required. We cannot sit back and allow our brothers and sisters to suffer. We all can do our part, even if it's just a cup of cold water. It goes a long way. Love is something that we can all give. It's not just the big things, but it's little things also, done with great, great love. I invite you to be a partner with Hesed, to join with us a one-by-one -one ministry that reaches out not only to Syrian refugees, not only to Iraqi refugees, and now Ukrainian refugees, but also to brethren in India who need our love, pastors who are bringing up disciples and making them Christians and bringing them the gospel. We are feeding them with food that they need. And in Uganda, little orphans that would have nothing to eat, one by one, we are feeding them and loving them. In Pakistan, the marginalized church that is under the pressure of radical ideologies in threat of their lives, we supply strength, Christian education, and various different acts of ministry that they need every week. Throughout the Philippines, even during the pandemic, we were sending supplies and daily relief to villages, to squatters, to children, in, um, in mountainous areas, daily feeding programs, rescuing street children. And then of course, our greatest work before the Ukrainian refugee, and that is the Nazir home in New Cairo, Egypt. 
That is our orphan home where four beautiful girls live that have been rescued, two of them, from the dump. And I want you to know this is marvelous because we had to go through a lot of red tape legally in a country that is not a Christian country, that respects everyone's religion, that respects Christians as well, and allowed us to open the home in that country. We want to thank the Egyptians for being so, uh, the president of Egypt, for being so kind, not only to all men, but especially to our orphans. Beloved saints, God is good. And so we invite you, sow your seed today into Hesed, and especially for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Our announcer will tell you how. We love you, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast. 